Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! And welcome to Opera Box Score. I'm your host, George Cedarquist. Wherever you are, however you're listening, thanks for joining us. We are America's Talk Radio Show about opera, period. No one talks with you about opera week in, week out like we do. And what's more, on our show, you get to have your say live on the air. You can call us on 847-866-WNUR. That's 847-866-9687. Or you can leave us a message on 224-218-9BOX. Again, 224-218-9269. You get to sound off on our Chalk Talk segment. You can show off by taking our opera pop quiz. And you can piss people off by handing out letter grades to review a performance you've seen in our Monday evening quarterback segment. On tonight's show, we run down the winners and losers of the 2016 International Opera Awards. And you can see the full list of nominees on our website, operaboxscore.squarespace.com. And then go to the page called This Week's Show. Plus, in 15 minutes, I've got all your opera headlines. And at the bottom of the hour, my co-host Oliver Camacho challenges Tobias and Giovanna, as well as our listeners, in a dance version of Pop Quiz. Will my colleagues be able to find specific dance styles and the operas they come from just by listening? You can play in the air in a future show. Just email us at operaboxscore at gmail.com. Let's do this. We are live. No edits, no filters. Kickoff is next. Keep it locked right here, right now on WNUR 89.3 FM, Evanston, Chicago, and Opera Box Score. Listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Giovanna Jacques. Happy Monday, everybody. George Cedarquist here on WNUR 89.3 FM. This is Opera Box Score. Uh, two of my closest companions in the house tonight, Tobias Wright. What's going on? Uh, not much, George. Happy to be here. I have much to share on this beautiful Monday spring evening. <laughs> it is a gorgeous night outside, and here we are in the studio. It's beautiful. Giovanna Jacques, how are you? Good, George. I've got to see you twice today, which makes me very happy. Oh, well, that's kind of you. Here we are doing the radio show tonight. Let's. We got a lot to talk about tonight. I got a good feeling about this show, and we should start right away. So, uh, the 2016 International Opera Awards are in the bag. All right. Yeah. They were held May 15th at the Savoy Theater in London, and. Um, I, I want to start the conversation, I guess, by talking about do we even need opera awards? Do we need opera awards in general? Here, here's what's interesting about these opera awards um, is that as far as I know, it's the only sort of annual international uh, ceremony of this kind. And a mm. lot of the money that is raised by these awards go to the Opera Awards Foundation, which helps young singers and emerging artists, which I have to throw that out there because I'm about to hop, <laughs> hop on the negative, negativity train and, and, and bash this. But let me throw the question to you first, Tobias. Like, do we need awards in opera? Do we need awards for film? Well, dude, don't do we need awards? Started. It's a whole different for... industry, though. Right, but I mean, so we have TV awards, we have daytime daytime TV awards, we have the there's Grammys. daytime TV awards, well, oh, yeah, the, and, yeah, the Emmys, what, yeah, Emmys, all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, we have the Grammys. We have uh, what else? Do we have the BMAs, the, the, the BFAs, Music awards, the, the Tonys, exactly. The, this, the, so that. do we need it? No, probably not. But what it does do is it is kind of a culmination of year, and I think it's nice to have a ceremony where. And I'm not saying it's necessary. Let me get that out of the way. 
I, it's definitely not necessary. And I don't think that Mozart, Wagner, Puccini, Verdi were writing to, in hopes that someday they'd be recognized at the 2016 International Opera Awards. Right. Uh, that being said, I think it's kind of cool. It, it does provide – it gets everyone together because the opera community is so widespread um, and so large that it's kind of cool to have it have an evening uh, so to speak. Like that. Yeah, that's a good point. So this art form that we know and love so well truly is international. Right. It's multilingual. People from all over the world are basically producing the same 10, 15, 20 operas. So what is the way that we can be brought together as a community? And maybe it is something like this mm-hmm. opera awards ceremony. Giovanna, what's your take? Here's what bugs me. There's no composer on here. There are conductors. This is all a representative representative side of the art form, but there isn't really that much new stuff on here, So, which means that there are no highlighted composers. And if we want to have opera awards, that's fine, but the world of opera is not limited to everything that's been written in the past. There are some incredible works that are being written today. So why aren't those recognized here? Well, they, they do pay a little bit of lip service to that. Again, you can go to the uh, website for the International Opera Awards. It's operaawards.org. You can also go to our website, operaboxscore.squarespace.com, to look at some of these. I just, you know, the Oscars piss me off so much. I don't watch them. I don't watch movies. You guys know this. I can't imagine myself watching the Emmys. I don't watch the Grammys because I don't listen to pop George, music. What, what do you do so, for fun? Dude, I'm so busy <laughs> with, like, my own directing career, I guess basically and like being a dad and a husband like I, I i don't understand it but it's so commercial the tonys are the same way the only reason the tonys exist is to basically boost ticket sales for whatever shows uh well if it's attention. a way to boost ticket sales it's a way to boost ticket sales i yes, mean but i, I don't know if the, the international Oscars. opera awards do that same thing <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> right. the thing it does feel and this is you know not to not to sound like a rude person but it does feel a little bit pitiful the international opera awards it feels kind of lame yeah they're like it's like oh international spelling bee awards (laughs) you know it's it's trying really hard but it just doesn't seem to have the glamour that represents opera to its best you know this is the first time i've heard of it admittedly how do we have any idea how long the international opera awards have been going on well at least two years because there was one last year (laughs) exactly (laughs) so i guess what i (laughs) Oh, so they were founded in 2012. No, but I think, okay, so 2012. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take some time for it to, I think, you know, be recognized maybe. So as, we really are in the infancy then of this, yeah. of this award ceremony. Well, let's, let's cut to the chase here and, and talk about a few of the winners. And um, Tobias, can you go first, actually? Mm-hmm. Let us know um, about the Male Singer Award. The Male Singer of the Year. So interestingly enough, the International Opera Awards uh, chose to honor as their Male Singer of the Year. Um, an Illinois State grad, and we are in Chicago, so it's kind of cool to have somebody from the state of Illinois, Gregory mm-hmm. Tenor, uh, Gregory Kunda, and he's a French and Italian bel canto singer, um, and I, I, admittedly, I guess I had never heard of him before. Maybe I'd heard a recording, but not, um, I was naive when I did, I guess. Um, just a little bit about him, a little background. 1978, he made his Lyric Chicago debut, um, so he's an older singer. He's had a widespread career, done everything in every great house that you could think of. And in fact, in 2012, um, made an unexpected debut as Verdi's Otello in Venice hmm. uh, the same year that he also did Rossini's Otello. And he's believed to possibly be the only tenor to make a debut in both of them in the same year, which I think is kind of cool. Well, let's take a little listen to this extract. Uh, Oliver Camacho prepared some um, bits, uh, clips, I would say, from what these guys have been singing. And again, this is Gregory Kunda singing from Bellini's Ipuritani. That's pretty high, that note right there. (laughs) That was a little higher. Thank you. 
Uh, that was a high S. That was yeah. that was beautiful. It really was. And it, you know what was interesting about that? That's like pure bel canto, as bel canto as it can come, uh, singing Puritani. And what I was listening to this afternoon was a lot of stuff where he's kind of started to move into a heavier, I wouldn't quite say you know dramatic, it's all full lyric stuff, but just an incredible color and richness of sound that has, that changes when he goes from bel canto into the heavier rep. And I think... Uh, I mean, I'm so glad that the International Opera Awards actually made me aware of the singer because as another tenor, I'm always looking for people to study and hear how they approach. And I think I just added one to my list. How about the female opera singer that won, Mariella Devia? Well, it looks like they have a penchant for bel canto singers because Mariella Devia is an operatic. Um, she she started as a coloratura soprano and then <clears throat> she really merged into the bel canto repertoire. She was actually at the Met from 1979 to 1994, playing such roles as Lucia, uh, Nanetta, Despina, and Constance. So really quite a quite a prolific career. But again, she is also very much a bel canto singer. She's a 67. And so it seems like these awards are being given out not for a specific performance, but really for like a body of work. Yeah. Not exactly a lifetime achievement award. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, but as you said, mentioning uh, Mariella Devia being at the Met for so many years. Yeah. Let's take a listen to what she has. This is from Rossini's Le Nozze di Tete e di Peleo. <laughs> Baby. Hey, They're really going kinda, for those high notes. Do you ever kind of listen to some of the stuff that we th- throw on the show here and just get tickled that it's 2016 and we have a radio show about it? <laughs> and be like, how cool is this? This is what we're doing. We're going to sit around and listen to this beautiful, filthy, amazing singing. Clearly, and then we're going to talk about that it. That wasn't recorded yesterday, but man, that was, yeah, that that was, was intense. Brilliant singing. Uh, Giovanna, over to you. Tell us about the Lifetime Achievement Award from yeah. the uh, award ceremony last week. It goes to Bridget Fassbender, um, who is a German mezzo-soprano and also a stage director. She's been a stage director uh, from 1999, and it looks like she went until about 2012. Um, though actually, she can, she's still continuing today. Um, her she, she has an impressive amount of work between her singing and her directing career. So I imagine that's why they decided her. They decided to give her such the the Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm-hmm. Because she's so implicated in the opera world under so many hats. Exactly. Yeah. As a singer, um, this is a recording that Oliver prepared uh, where she is singing from Strauss's uh, Zuneigung, which means um, affection. Let's take a listen. If you had any doubt as to whether or not she was German, that proves right there. That was the most Germanic thing I ever heard. That's fantastic. Well, I mean, as you said before, the Lifetime Achievement Award really 
should go to somebody who has done more yes. than just one thing for this uh, business. And it has been Googled. She is not related to Michael Fassbender. That's the only black mark against her. Yes, the I only say. one. Giovanna, uh, there was something else on the awards list that <gasps> caught your eye, and yes. I want to hear you talk and about that. That is the world premiere of Cold Mountain. Uh, Cold Mountain is actually my one of my favorite books. I'm very much obsessed with it. Fair the movie's enough. okay too. It's Santa um, Fe, right? Yeah, Santa, Santa Fe, Fe put it on, um, and it was you know obviously world premiere. It's the first time it's ever been done, and I cannot tell you how much money I would pay, proverbial money, because I don't actually have any, to see that. That would be so cool. So cool. And the music for the movie is actually really beautiful as well. So I wonder if that was inspired at all. Probably not. I'm going to come back to that award in one second. Let me just talk through the directors and the designers. The, I was going to ask you about that, George. Yeah. Tell me tell me about what do we know about Talk to Fabio. me, George. Well, the, uh, I'm going to get to him in one second. First of all, the, the director award was uh, to Laurent Pelli, uh, who's a, a French director who I've met, actually. Really nice guy. Uh, if you look at this <laughs> list of finalists. Where did you meet him? Uh, I met him in San Francisco. Oh. oh, actually, that was... Yeah, that's not that far. That was about as humble as it could be in San Thank Francisco. You. <laughs> I mean, if you look at this list of the directors here, Casper Holton, Damiano uh, Micheletto, Katie Mitchell, Laurent Pelli, obviously David Pountney, Marius Trelinski. I mean, these are these are titans in this career. I don't know how they could possibly pick a, women, uh, a winner. Excuse me. Uh, Katie Mitchell, the only woman, as it turns out, on the list. Um, but Laurent Pali has such a wonderful sort of light touch to his directing. He's comfortable in all parts of the repertoire. So, I mean, all these people would deserve it. There's also a Young Director Award, and that uh, went to Fabio Teresa, who I'm sure is a very nice guy. If you go to his website, though, <laughs> it makes you want to throw up in your mouth. Like, it is so <laughs> self-indulgent. So, buddy, Tell me more, George. you need to change your website, is what I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> but, Fabio, if you are listening and you want to come on, your sh- on our show and defend yourself about your website... Please do. Please do, by all <laughs> means. I'm going to tell you who got robbed at these awards, though. And the, the people who got robbed were us, the Americans. There is literally, apart from Cold Mountain, which was done at Santa Fe, and yes, Gregory Kunda did go to Illinois State, as mm-hmm. you said. There's virtually no but other— he doesn't perform in America. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> there's virtually no other representation of American opera on this list of winners. And that shows you how far behind this country is in terms of a worldview of opera. You know, I will say this, though, and this is, touches on something that we talked about last week. One of the, the opera company of the year, the, the nominees, Deutsche Oper Berlin, uh, Do- uh, Dutch National Opera, Polish National Opera, uh, Theater on der Wein, and Welsh National Opera, and the only American one was Opera Philadelphia. And we talked about last or two weeks ago about how they were on the cutting edge of basically doing a like well, we already said reader's choice, but they're an audience choice as to what their their series is going to be. And I I think it's kind of cool to see that the one company that we've talked about that is really looking forward as to how they're going to choose their repertoire and put it in the hands of the people. It's not only cool, it makes total sense that of all the companies in this country, Opera Philadelphia would be on that list. Whether whether they should have won, I can't speak to that. Um, I I mean, I'm I'm grasping at straws here to see other Americans represented. Uh, That uh, production of Berg's um, Wojtek, which was at Lyric, which I didn't like, that was on the list. See, but I loved it. I think it should have won. Well, there you go. Uh, Matthew oh, Lyric oh. also had uh, what was the the other show that they the world premiere that Renee the book oh, uh, uh, Belcanto Belcanto was yeah. nominated as that's well that's true that's true okay so a couple nominations here but again like in terms of real winners we're just not seeing those sorts mm. of results mm-hmm. well I guess uh, that's it for the 2016 International Opera Awards check out the full list at our website operaboxscore.squarespace.com. We're sending George next year to cover yes. it. I'm going to go cover it. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna I do will a... pick out your gown, George. That's very nice. There wasn't much fashion, was there? There was not much fashion. I looked everywhere. I wanted some red carpet gossip. I wanted some who wore it best. <laughs> I wanted some, some fashion emergencies, but I got nothing. Well, we have a little fashion teaser at the very uh, – actually, it's coming up next. We're going yeah. to take a little break here on 89.3 FM, WNUR, Evanston, Chicago, and we're going to come back with the two-minute drill, so please stick around and keep it tuned. Listening to Opera Box Score. I advocate for these families 
with United Way. United Way empowers them to see opportunities available. We help them get involved with their kids, schools, and network within the community. My name is Meera Batra. I help families see opportunity and succeed. I don't just wear this shirt. I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Find a relaxed position to let go of the time you left your daughter's blouse in the dryer too long and it shrunk four sizes, or when you donated her private diary to the public library. Deep breaths. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take a deep breath in and let go of the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you hit that piñata into your neighbor's yard. Let it go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Host of Opera Box Score. Whether you're allergic to opera or you're a devoted fan, our show is for you. We tackle the week's opera headlines and body slam them into a sports radio setup. The result 60 minutes of play by play analysis, exclusive interviews, and scandalous opinions, plus the heroes, villains, and stats from this crazy art form that we love and love to complain about. Join us for Opera Box Score Monday nights at 9 on WNUR. This just in, the two-minute drill. Time for the fastest headlines in opera news. Everything you need to know from the past week in two minutes tops. Nicola Luisotti, music director for San Francisco Opera since 2009, has announced that he will be leaving the opera company after the 2017 season, which is when his contract expires. Luisotti made his announcement in front of the entire opera company at the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco. When legislators inside North Carolina's legislative building passed a law last March directing which public restrooms transgender people can use, the former North Carolina residents who wrote the opera called The Body Politic knew where it should be sung next. Songwriters Leo Hurley and Charles Osborne brought a stripped-down version of the show to the building's auditorium last Thursday. And after its premiere two weekends ago in Boston, where a group that helps young composers commission the opera, the team decided to return to North Carolina. The story is about an Afghan transgender man who leaves his country to escape the war there and ends up in Chapel Hill. Sofia Coppola has directed her first opera, a new production of Verdi's La Traviata, at the Rome Opera. Fashion designer Valentino did the costumes with sets by Nathan Crowley, a production designer who worked on the Batman films. Yara Benamini conducts, and Francesco Dotto and Maria Grazia Schiavo are double cast as Violetta. In the audience were Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Sebastian Schwartz, the new general director of the English summer opera festival Glyndebourne, has written that he's relaxed about how people should turn up to the usually black tie opera festival. I would never turn away someone in jeans and a leather jacket, but nor do I think it's elitist to dress up. The more special you feel, the more special will be the experience. And these days, there are many more ways to dress up stylishly and flamboyantly and reflect your personality. Why not imitate what's happening on the stage? You don't have to put on a Baroque wig, though wouldn't that be a lovely sight on the lawn? That's the two-minute drill. So, my friends, uh, who's going to go first with their quick hit on the two-minute drill? You know, I got one because I have experience working in customer care, patron services at an opera house. I mean, one of the things that I've been asked many times before is it's a simple phone call from a patron asking, what do I wear? And you know what? I, my response is, there, we don't have a dress code. Mm-hmm. Um, and this opera house that I worked at is one of the best in the country, and it's very well known. But I always tell them, you know, we don't have a dress code. But if you're going to come to the opera, feel good. And if you feel good and you dress nice, and you're going to enjoy yourself more when you walk into a big, gorgeous theater. And that's just my opinion. I don't think it's elitist to dress up. I think it's respectful. Not at I all. think it, it shows that you care and really want to be there. That's mm-hmm. a totally smart, reasonable decision. Glyndebourne, which I've never been to, so you can't tease me about that. Not yet. <laughs> Although I'd, I'd love to go to Glyndebourne one day. It would be fantastic. But it is known for being like the English mm-hmm. summer opera festival, and you really sort of do get dressed up. So I say 
uh, top hats off to Sebastian <laughs> Schwartz for <laughs> for saying that you can kind of How wear whatever you, you want. How long have you been thinking about that one? Uh, literally about two seconds. Okay. Javana, what's uh, interesting to you about the yeah, trip? Yeah, the, the body politic really stood out to me. I think it's oh, a really good Kardashian example. the Kardashian thing? No, 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 no. The uh, transgender bathroom. Yeah. Oh, a different body. Um, <laughs> I think it's a really great example of art taking a social stance, and I would love to see that. Uh, speaking of Kim Kardashian. No, no, no. Let's not do it. Go ahead. Let's not give her the... Let's, let's, not, oh, let's quiet. do it. Oh, yes. gosh. Um, as I was looking for fashion... It's like if we were to talk about Trump, it's free advertisement. If I, I was it. looking for fashion you know, stuff about the International Opera Awards. And what I stumbled on instead was that um, poor Kim Kardashian flashed a, an entire centimeter of her nude-colored Spanx under her white dress and took a bunch of Valentino selfies and was, you know, sh- the good thing is she was promoting an opera house and people will probably think it's cooler now. I, yeah. Okay. Sadly. <laughs> Silver lining, Giovanna. It's Silver like, lining. It's like Bieber. I will say I'm, I'm surprised that um, uh, Nicola Luisotti is leaving San Francisco Opera. 2009. So he's been there less than 10 years. Um, That's when I moved to Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, I just, I'm, I guess I'm just surprised. You know, I, I haven't met him when I did the Merla program at San Francisco Opera in 2013. I, I didn't get to, 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 to meet him, but you know, there's a new general manager, uh, in San Francisco. Matthew Shivlock has taken over from, um, David Gockley and this, he, so Shivlock starts his new position this coming season. And so for Louis Sati to resign that's, at the same a, time. That's a hard transition. That, well, that feels like a vote of no confidence to me. Okay. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you about that because, you know, you've been there and obviously understand what that company is about, um, having been on the inside of it. But, yeah, it does seem weird for this. I don't think there's a coincidence there at all that the timing matches up. I mean, let me say this before. I think, it's a, I think yeah. it's a fantastic company. I, I love their setup. They have a great venue. Look, we've talked about, we've talked about this Calixto Bieto production okay. uh, of Carmen, which is being done there. It's the first time in the U.S. his work is being done. There's no question that this is a fantastic company. And I'm not saying that there's bad blood between these two guys. I just think the timing is strange. And I think there's something else going on here that we Well, there's certainly we a know. precedent for that happening in our business, don't you think? I mean... It's People not the first ki- time that somebody's become a general director and then had a music director walk away no, because they, no. yeah, you know. People yeah, get, people get cagey about that, that sort of thing. They get sensitive. Let us know what you're thinking of the two-minute drill of all these headlines. Uh, you can give us a call, 847-866-WNUR. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail if you're the shy type, 224-218-9box. Twitter handle, at Opera Box Score, and good old-fashioned email, OperaBoxScore at gmail.com. I think it's time for some pop quiz. You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Giovanna Jacques. Pop quiz. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Well, Oliver Camacho has put this one together for the fantastic Tobias and the fantastic Giovanna. I'm going to let him get reamed. Well, here we go. I'm going to let him talk you through the setup and then I'll explain if there's any questions. So take a listen to your mission should you choose to accept it. John Harbison's opera, The Great Gatsby, drops in music that feels like to Charleston, while Jake Heggie's Dead Man Walking refers to Elvis's Jailhouse Rock. Uh, the idea of using dance idioms and dance songs to give context to opera is nothing new. This is something that the composers have been doing since the dawn of opera, really. And these dances do have meaning themselves, and you can kind of trace back their histories and understand how those dances came about, which members of society danced which dances, 
who wore what and what costumes worked with what dances and what spaces were necessary, what space you needed in order to even attempt some of these dances. All of these things do add another layer of meaning into opera. And I thought it'd be interesting today if we listened to some dance music and tried to identify not only the piece, the composer and the larger work, but also the dance rhythm that is being referred to and what necessarily that dance rhythm implies and how it supports the narrative. So today for our quiz, we're going to listen to six different clips and see if we can guess what are the dance rhythms that the composer is referring to and see if we can understand what those rhythms imply and how they help support the narrative of the opera. If you're keeping score, if you'd like to play along, each contestant gets one clip from each round and has to identify the work and composer. That's one point. It can be the small form of the work, like the aria name, or the larger work, like the whole opera. I'll take either one. You have to identify the dance rhythm, such as gavotte, and see if you can add some meaning to the dance rhythm, how the dance rhythm supports the narrative. So three points for each clip, a total of nine points, and bonus if the other contestant can't complete the three points for their round the other contestant can steal points by supplying that missing information. Good luck. May the odds be ever in your favor. Well, I don't know what the odds being in your favor means exactly, Oliver, but I do Hunger love games. this quiz. Oh, Hunger Games. See, I don't watch movies, so I wouldn't get that, would I? I lost. Yeah, I don't know movie. that one either. But oh I've gosh. seen the Hunger Games, and I still didn't get it. Okay. The, still love uh, you, George. Mm. Pop quiz here. So just to recap then, so there's a total of six clips and we're, we're essentially taking turns. So Javana, the first clip is just for you. Oh gosh. Toby, the second clip is just for you. Okay. Right. If you happen to know something about the other person's clip, which they don't know, I will let you steal those points away. However, Dope. what you're looking for when you're listening is three things like what's the piece of the aria. I'll even, if you get the composer, I'll even give you a point for that. Number two, what's the dance rhythm that's in play? And then finally, uh, can you say something in halfway intelligent <laughs> about why they're using this dance rhythm? Are we going to be scored on rhythm? that? You, you do get okay. a point for that. Yeah, Beautiful. exactly. So uh, best of luck. Let's start Gavotte. with the first. Yeah, I love the way he said Gavotte. <laughs> that was so funny. So here's, so again, Giovanna, your clip number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Tobias, clip number two. Okay. This is yours, too. Guys, all right. So I'm pretty I, sure I know both operas. This this is why Oliver is so smart because he starts with the easy stuff. Oh, crap. Uh, uh, <laughs> so Giovanna, what do you know about that first one? Uh, it's a waltz. Okay, that is correct. So you get one for that. Um, it is from the Bel Canto era. Mm, you're gonna have to be a little more <laughs> specific. I th I know it, and it. Okay, so yeah. when, I, when can I steal? Let, 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 do you have anything no, intelligent I, to say about, like, why it's a waltz, Javon? Um, because it was written that way. <laughs> <laughs> Over to Toby. Okay, it was a waltz. Yes. It was clearly in French. Oh, wait, that counts? Hold on, no. No, it was, no. So yeah. right before we cut off, she was going to sing Je vais vivre, right? That's correct. From, uh... Oh, Je 
from uh, no hold on Guno. yep romeo and juliet exactly Aww. and then the other one do i get answer mine now wait do i get those points you do so we well, you know she knows javana said walt so she gets the okay. point for that Giovanna. you said uh romeo and juliet so you get the point for that toby okay can you say like in, anything intelligent about why it was a waltz because it happened in three but like in terms of the story <laughs> like oh. why would that why would juve vivre be a waltz Oh, that's a great because question. it's very upbeat and she wants to live and she wants to experience things. All right. I'll give you a point for that, Giovanna. Thank you. Toby, over to you then for your extract. Uh, also a waltz. Correct. So I have a point there. Yep. Um, I don't know the aria and I don't know why it's a waltz, but it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I Do you know I... the show? Well, I was trying to think of shows with waltzes that are actually done in German because... Oh, my... Dude, you just on. said it. Wait. What? I, you just described the whole thing. Can you not get it from that? What did you just say? It's a show in German with a waltz. It has to be... Schumann. Oh, my goodness, They're you Rosen people. Cavalier. Yes, thank you. Really? Yes, it's Rosenkavalier. He's so pissed. <laughs> yes. Hey, I just got a point. <laughs> Do I okay, get a point? Okay, Schumann isn't that bad of a guess. That was a dreadful guess. I feel like Schumann has a lot of waltzes. Was it really Rosen Cavalier? It was Rosen What's Cavalier. the aria? Yeah. And what the, happened the, in Rosen Cavalier? It's uh, the end of Act Two. It's Baron Ox at the end of Act Two. I got it. See, good lord. Um, Sorry, listeners. And so, I've why not... would it be a waltz? Tell me, George. Um, because that's what Strauss wrote. Aren't they dancing at that point, though? Aren't they in love and they're swaying and dancing? Well, it's a very romantic dance. I mean, the beat is on the first of the three beats, mm-hmm. right? So it's a very much like bum, 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 bum. And Do it's you... very like, oh, I love you. Let's see what Oliver had to say. You first heard from the aria A Je Veux Vivre, which is also known as Juliet's Waltz from Charles Gounod's Romeo et Juliette. That was the spicy soprano Andre Esposito from the live performance from Nice in 1976. <laughs> that was followed by Kurt Böhme on the Carl Böhm recording from the late 50s, like 1959, of Strauss's Der Rosenkavalier. That was the end of the second act. That was also a waltz, even though it would seem that the waltz was not yet invented in the time that this opera is supposed to be set. Interesting. Nevertheless, the waltz is a dance that's uh, in a very recognizable rhythm and is always meant to be a romantic dance. Juliet's aria being a very straightforward representation of the idea of romance. I know, so I get another point for it. And Baron Ock's version of it being a little bit disgusting. George, you can tally up the scores for the first round while we listen to the second. Not so fast, my friend. I think we can squeeze in uh, an extra point for Giovanna for saying that it's a romantic that's, thing. That's true. Yeah, I will give. I will give you one. So you guys are tied three to three. We have just enough time to listen to the next clips before we have to go to break. So again, Giovanna, you're going to be um, the first one that we hear, and then Tobias is the second. Here we go. <laughs> Listening to Opera Box Score. As I went through school, one giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? First, I had to decide what I wanted to make. 
I wanted to make more, so I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore, and frustration a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy and giving up impossible. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Today might be the day I drop out of school. But you might be able to stop me. With United Way, you could tutor me, be my mentor, or volunteer to just read with me. There are tons of ways people like you can help kids like me stay in school. Make me a success, not a statistic. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. You're struggling with your mortgage. You think about it all the time. What are we going to do if we lose the house? It's time to stop thinking and start dialing. Call 1-888-995-HOPE for a free government program that offers expert one-on-one advice about your mortgage options. We've helped over a million homeowners, and we want to help you. Call 1-888-995-HOPE or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score, America's talk radio show about opera. Now I hear you saying opera ain't your thing, but get this. We tackle everything about opera and body slam it into a sports radio setup. The result? 60 minutes of in-depth analysis, outrageous opinions, and good, clean fun. You might even learn something. Opera class, sports radio crass. Join us for Opera Box Score Monday nights at 9 on WNUR. You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Giovanna Jacques. Pop quiz. Oh, boy. Welcome back to Opera Box Score on WNUR 89.3 FM, Evanston, Chicago. We are in a tussle here for the pop quiz. Uh, It's all about dance sounds in music put together by Oliver Camacho. The scores are tied right now. We just listened to the round two, and we're going to start with Giovanna. What are you thinking about what you heard? I am honestly so lost, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's a Kurt Vile tango. Um, Interesting. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I know I I gave it all away last time, so this time I'm just going to hear what you have to say, and then I'm going to let Oliver give the reveal. Uh, so why, why, but you don't know what show it's from, right? I don't know so what show it's from. I know it's, it's not tango. the tango ballad yeah. from the Three Penny Opera, but it just sounded kind of like a, it was in four, right? Within a weird like thing at the end. Yeah. And it sounded like a recording of a vile thing, and it sounded to me like it was German, though Toby thinks it's English. <laughs> um, I really, I was trying. And it also sounded well. relatively intimate and and pretty sexualized. So I wonder if it was a tango because of that. Toby, can you steal any points away from Germana? You know, I really don't think that I can. Yeah. that's a pretty solid guess. It, it was. Uh, unless you, I will unless say this, you know, to the our show. listeners who yeah. are probably like, oh, those guys are idiots." It's really difficult. Once Oliver, you're on the air, yeah. <laughs> Oliver too, Oliver's a smart guy yeah, who knows way guy. more than any of you do or any of us in the studio know. And it's a little overwhelming when you're just getting to drop the needle. Well, then, <laughs> t- yeah, true enough. So so what about your clip, Tobias? What do you got? Um, I, I know it was about five minutes ago and you've probably forgotten. Yes. I took a nap. Um, you're good, buddy, but you okay. got to speak right to the mic. Okay. Well, I think it was a chardash. <laughs> and you're not and you're not cheating this time i hope no god i cheated last week and you made me feel so guilty about it yeah it's funny um but no no thoughts on like what it's what it's from or, yeah, or anything i feel like yeah. i really should know what it's from yeah um i could take a guess <laughs> let's let's hear what uh, oliver has to say <laughs> So here are two dances that were meant to give an exotic feel and feel very specific to a place as they were used in these operas. First, we heard the tango of the old lady from uh, Bernstein's Candide. Uh, that was I Am Easily Assimilated, sung by Krista Ludwig. And hopefully I don't have to explain what a tango is, but it does have a very specific syncopated rhythm. 
that feels very Hispanic, followed by the Shardash, sung by Rosalinda in disguise. Way to go, Toby. From Johann Strauss Jr.'s D. Fledermaus. <laughs> Let's go! is a Hungarian <laughs> no. folk dance. I did Fledermaus like three years ago, and I was like, I know that. features is that it <laughs> speeds up so that the soprano singing it crashes and burns. George, why don't you go ahead and tally up the scores for this round while we listen to the third and, admittedly, the hardest round. Yeah, well, the third round really is tricky, but... Okay, hold on. <laughs> I wasn't laughing at you because I didn't think it was a chart. I was laughing at how sheepish you were when you said that. And you turned beet red. Were you embarrassed, Tobias? Yeah, you were like, oh, you think it's a short because well, the only reason for that is because she says the word. Okay, I do want to say I deserve a point for saying that it was Germanic, and Krista Ludwig, Ludwig is extremely Germanic, and no matter what language she's singing in, she sounds like she's speaking German. I, no. No. Yes. no. That's no, like every kid gets a trophy. No, no, no you, you don't freaking don't. You lost. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to move right on to round uh, three here, you guys, Love and you. Uh, let's see what you think of this. Javana, you get to go first. Uh, why do is... I always get to go first? Char- you had such an easy one, Toby. I know. Are you I know. Yeah. yeah. Serious? Yes, I am. Um, I think mine is either a minuet or a sarabond. I know the piece, but I can't. It's on the tip of my tongue. Composer? You know, composer. I. Or... The composer is. It's an English Baroque opera, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is. I'm interested. Uh, is, is it Purcell? Purcell? Oh. No, it's not. 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 I'm taking that away. It's that I don't know who the composer yeah. is, but it's English and it's Baroque and it's beautiful and I know it and it's on the tip of my tongue and I feel like I should get a second chance after Toby has talked about Off his. You go. Okay, Toby. Um, I think mine. It was some kind of Baroque. Thing. I don't know. I, a minuet. And it sounded like Mozart to me, and I have no idea what it was from. But I'm, wait, it's Signor. So, so Giovanni, you can steal a point here. It's a uh, Mozart de Figaro. That is. Well, Susanna. wait. Do I still get a point for saying Mozart? And what kind of dance is it? Well, I'm going to let Oliver reveal all this. Hold actually. up. If I'm correct, do I get a point? Uh, I get a better point because I said no. Who it you, was you don't get a point by saying Mozart. Are you? Ser- you asked her if she knew composer. George, I'm going to be so mad at the car ride home. <laughs> <laughs> if you give her a point for asking a composer and she gets I, it right, I, I it don't. may not help you at this point. Okay. Let's I don't know I don't know the the final tally. So let let's see what Oliver has to say. So we finished with some very famous music there, but the dance rhythms may not be so apparent. The first from the opera Rinaldo, uh, Almirena's aria Lasha Chiopianga, which is a lament. Uh, and the dance rhythm there is a saraband, which is a stately dance and uh, is known for its uh, affect, for its affectiveness. 
Uh, it is a, a rhythm that is meant to have a lot of affect and it makes a lot of sense that it would be used for a lament. But there's also a certain dignity about it, which is really appropriate for the character of Almirena, uh, who is a much more dignified character than the person who is currently torturing her, the sorceress Armida. And that was followed by one of the most brilliant uses of the minuet in Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro. The Count and the Countess were just having a you know, knockdown brawl and Susanna appears and it is suddenly a minuet which brings a sense of nobility into the scene and gives Susanna the upper hand. She enters with the music of the aristocracy. Meanwhile, her employers, the Count and the Countess, were fighting like New Jersey housewives. This is one of those moments that gets pointed out to you by your professor in music history and suddenly you realize how profound and complicated Mozart operas can be, even though they seem sometimes very simple on the surface. So there you have it. Um, a saraband from Handel and a minuet from Mozart to finish this quiz. How did you do? Well, he does have a bit of the professor in him, doesn't he, Oliver? He does. I really do deserve a point for the Susanna. Susanna? For saying that it was Susanna and the Notre I get a Figaro. point for calling it a minuet and identifying composer. Oh, Okay. Okay. Fine. So you each got two points on that, but neither of you came up with any sort of like narrative detail on either of those. Like, why did those composers pick dances for those moments? Uh, Well, mm, okay. Well, I think you did a better job describe. Well, no, because he already told us we can't say it anymore. Well, no, you can just be honest and be like, you know what? I never would have thought of that. Well, you know what's interesting, and I will just say this as a singer: I don't think I've often really thought about dance motives happening and what their intention was i've always guess i guess i've always figured it was just what they did at the time mozart put a minuet because other people were doing minuet and as oliver touched on like now there's a lot of intricacy that went into that decision there's not a wrong note well so he's made you think in other words it's a hard thing to do i understand but when it happens it's a beautiful thing you guys are tied at six points each i'm okay with it i'm okay with that too i think that's a pretty fair result actually for this that was a hard quiz that was though i do want to say that we actually guessed every dance right which was what we were most scared about well i think at the last one when i heard yours i I mean how many baroque dance yeah (laughs) do i know know, well it's got to be saraband if it's that slow or minuet yeah and he said gavat in the intro so you knew it was going to be gavat gavat uh we got just enough time to do a little monday evening quarterback we're going to be right back opera class sports radio crass this is opera box score who made the grade here's monday evening quarterback Back here on WNUR 89.3 FM, I'm George Cedarquist. This is Opera Box Score with Tobias Wright and Giovanna Jacques. The Monday Evening Quarterback segment, we review some shows that part of the team has seen, and instead of having an intelligent discussion about it, we just hand out some letter grades. Tobias Wright, what was on your dance card this past weekend? You know, as a performer, I've not been able to attend many shows uh, over the last few months. However, I went to three, count them, one, two, three three shows this week um two of them i enjoyed and one of them i am so thankful i didn't pay a dollar for the ticket because i would have felt like thievery had taken place all right so talk to us first about one of the ones you enjoyed i enjoyed i went to the northwestern university production of Susanna. uh carlisle floyd as uh, a composer i think it premiered in like 1955 or something like that uh directed by michael Ehrman. and you know i hadn't heard a lot of the music only in scenes small scenes what a fantastic show. Um, I thought the orchestra, I'm going to give it, it's a student orchestra, A. Um, I'm going to give uh, Emily Barnash, who sang Susanna, I'm going to give her an A. Nathan Ward, uh, same Sam Polk. The He's Su- awesome. Yeah, great guy. You know what? I think this is a, uh, this is repertoire probably a little bit bigger than his voice felt comfortable with, and I thought he navigated it so well mm. and did a beautiful job with that. Um, Ted Pickle sang Olin Blitch and was just fantastic. What a voice that they have there. And then I thought one of the standouts actually was Little Bat, and that was played by uh, first-year master student Matt Cummings. Hmm. And what a hard role, and I thought his voice fit it. I thought he was flexible with the character. I just enjoyed the whole, the whole thing. So you're giving A's all around. No. 
Why not? Because the chorus just was not oh, great. And dear. you know what? That I think that's a risky run when you do hard music. And this yeah. is hard music uh, because you end up throwing a lot of undergrads into it. And I thought there was a, a lot of chorus members who lacked focus, didn't really maybe care too much. Maybe they wanted to be somewhere else on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it is the end of the year. Uh, yeah, it could be. They were kind of checked out, huh? Yeah, 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 it seemed like yeah. they were checked out, which is too bad because you get people like Emily Barnash, you know, pouring her heart out on the stage and was fantastic. Hmm. Um, so so yeah, I really what, what, what do you give him? What do you give him the chorus? No, like a uh, C, gentleman C. Yeah, That's a nice okay. score. Right yeah. uh, you got any other shows you want to talk about? Two of them. All I right. went and saw King and I at the Lyric Opera, and you know the Lyric's been doing their season. Their final offering of the season has been a musical for the last couple of years, and I was looking forward to seeing King and I. And while yes, there were parts that I really enjoyed, I, I saw them on a day that they did two shows. So Kate mm-hmm. Baldwin um, and uh, Paolo Montalban. I don't. I far. You know. I don't know who these people are. I don't do musicals. I'm not into all of that. But she's I, a Broadway, not a legend, but but she's, she's a good a, star. She's a Broadway she's star. A, yeah. a Broadway star, and that much I know. And I know that she's from Evanston. I do believe, and hmm. is a Northwestern grad. Um, and I saw them on a sh- on the second performance of a two day show after doing a show the night before. A two show day. A two show day. And I just gotta say, I felt so underwhelmed by their performances that. And I don't, you know, I just, I, it was a rare time that I went to a theater and wished I wasn't there. Yeah. Wow. Um, the others, I'll be How was the orchestra, by the way? What, what would grade would you give the orchestra? Interesting. Uh, A, because yeah. I've never heard of an orchestra at the Lyric not the, be world class. There yeah, you go. The and to hear a musical, Rodgers and Hammerstein especially, played yeah. by like a full orchestra, I mean, that is why you pay. Yeah. So the king of Siam, I'm going to give him like uh, C. Yeah. Because he did it and he said all the words and the notes kind of came out. That's more than some people. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was a really underwhelming night. Final show that I saw was Penal Colony, Chicago Fringe Opera. Whoa. I know the show's over and there were people who certainly probably felt uncomfortable with the production and what happened there, but I just, an awesome 80 minutes on a Saturday night just seeing a show by Philip Glass, the Penal Colony, Chicago Fringe Opera. Loved it. Um, singers were great. A's for the orchestra. A for everybody involved in that production. Such a cool thing. Thanks for the roundup, buddy. I appreciate it very much. We are about to check out from this show. Good Call, Bad Call is up next. Stick around. Good Call, Bad Call on Opera Box Score. All right, time to wrap this show up. Good call, bad call. Who's going to go first? Me. I want to go first. Go for it. The Festival Dex is putting on a new show called Kalila Wadimna, which is based off of the Panchatantra stories. I'm sorry that I've said that wrong. Which is an ancient Indian collection of interrelated animal fables in verse and prose. And I think that it's going to be the absolute coolest thing because it's a childhood story that is just like has been culturally passed down through the years and decades and centuries. And I think it'll be really, really beautiful. And X is the place for it to premiere. Very nice. Tobias Wright. I have two. One, I have a good call. The good call being that we know we have listeners to our show. We know we have people who download our podcast and we know we have people uh, that follow us weekly. The bad call. I want you to share with your friends. If you're listening to this podcast, share it with your friends. Another bad call for our audience listeners. I want to challenge you to interact with us more. Um, call into the show and really do share what you think. Uh, give us some feedback of the shows you've seen. We I, we want more audience interaction, and we're so thankful that anybody who's made it this far is still with us. It's a great point, Tobias. We have all the technology here in the studio. You can call in. You, too, can be on the air, and there is no other opera show in this country where you get that chance. My good call is the Opera America Conference was this past weekend in Montreal. It is, of course, North America. Uh, the Opera America organization is sort of the umbrella organization for opera in this country. They do fantastic advocacy work. The conference I've been to some years ago in 2013, uh, but it's a total barrel of laughs, most of it. Uh, And I hope next year they were able to do a live show from the conference. That's it for tonight's show. Our announcer is Norm Waddell. Visit Norm on the web at voxershorts.com. That's V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. For WNUR, our programming director is Bill Scholney, and the general manager is Maddie Higgins. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. 
You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Opera Box Score. Be sure to like our Facebook page. And if you know people who would enjoy our show, help us spread the word by sharing our posts. You can always email us at operaboxscore at gmail.com. On our website, operaboxscore.squarespace.com, you can stream archived episodes and learn more about our team. You can also subscribe to our podcast version of our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And hey, don't just listen to the podcast. Be like Tobias. Be a grown-up. Leave a comment or a review. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For Tobias Wright and Giovanna Jacques, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera while you're out gardening. Street Beat is up next. You're listening to WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago, Chicago Sound Experiment. What's in the opera crystal ball this week, you two? I have one. It's that Toby's phone will get a text message notification very soon. (laughs) (laughs) 